Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Good morning and happy Saturday to you all. Welcome into the Wretched Hive podcast for another Mandalorian recap show. And uh, my name is Steve Baldwin. I am joined by the entire crew. Greg, Nico, Scott, and Dave are all with me. Good morning, guys. Morning. Hey, hey morning. Morning. Big episode to talk about this week. Guys, episode eight of season two, chapter 16 of The Mandalorian, called The Rescue. The Rescue dropped yesterday as we record the show, Friday, December 18th, 2020. I wonder who's going to be rescued. Hmm. All of us. All of us. Maybe the Star Wars franchise, actually. Uh, Written by Jon Favreau and directed by Peyton Reed. Who, uh, of course, directed Ant-Man. And it's Powerhouse second, Peyton Reed. And this, bring it on. Yeah, the second, best goddamn cheerleading movie you'll ever see. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> the second episode of, the, uh, of, of his that he directed this season as well. I do forget which other episode it was, but this is uh, his second time behind the director's chair for I, Mandalorian this season. I think it was The Passenger. It's possible. Yeah. That sounds yeah. right. Oh, he did Frog Lady? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well... Uh, and, and frogs. <laughs> I like that episode. I like. I like. Well, there's. Well, let's not get into the season. You're recap. the only one. I have to do a season recap. No, he's not. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, guys, lot to cover in this episode, and uh, let's just jump right in with uh, high level thoughts on this one. Scott, what did you think of this episode? I liked it a lot. Uh, it, it, it hit a lot of marks for me. Um, and, and honestly, the overall feel is besides liking it a lot, it, it really did kind of sum up this entire season uh, with the guest stars and all that. But um, just action and everything. I think it was fantastic. A um, couple little things we'll hit on in the show that kind of detracted for me. But other than that, it really, it, you know, overall, it was a, just a really damn good season a season finale. So agreed. Agreed. Greg. What'd you think of this one? Uh, I'm not going to hide it. There are faults, as with every Star Wars product, but the best Star Wars thing we've seen since Empire Strikes Back. Whoa. That's, those are big words. Yeah. Yeah. And I stand behind them. <laughs> Nico? You're sitting. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was great, you know? Um, I had everything. I laughed. I cried. I wanted more. I had questions. It left us on a great cliffhanger, ready for season three. Um, I had some throwbacks to uh, another Star Wars property, and uh, I think I'll bring it up when we get to that point without, you know, going too far into it. But it was, uh, it was, a, yeah. Backs to another Star Wars, but I couldn't, can't imagine what you might be uh, referring to there. <laughs> and it, but it's one that you might not be thinking of. All right, fair enough, Dave. What do you think of this I- one? I'm pretty close to Greg on this. I loved it. It's the closest thing to a true Saturday morning serial that I think we've had since the original Star Wars products came out. You know, an installment of one of those serial 
episodes. And sure, there were faults, as there are with every Star Wars product. But unlike most Star Wars products, I really didn't care. I was having such a good time. I just didn't care. Yeah, I'm with I'm with all of you. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, and I, I don't want to bury the lead here, but uh, this one gets five Death Stars for me. I, I don't think we've seen a, an episode of The Mandalorian uh, that has been this impactful on me. I, I was literally weeping at the end of it. Um, I wasn't like ugly crying, but, you know, I was welling up pretty hard. So uh, <laughs> um, I agree with all of you. Uh, let's get into it, guys. The opening sequence, we've got uh, Boba Fett piloting Slave One. Uh, uses an ion cannon to board, to dismantle, or to uh, disable. To disable, thank you, the Imperial ship. He's after Dr. Pershing. Uh, and by the way, I love just how surprised the Imperial pilots were that they got hit by an ion cannon. Like, oh my god, we've never thought of that before. We could get hit by an ion cannon blast. <laughs> right. Why aren't ion cannon blasts used all the time? I don't know. I don't know if it was surprising more than it was just ex- exposition to explain to the audience what the hell just happened and why they didn't explode. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this guy has never played the old X-wing Starfighter game. Exactly. Exactly what happened if he played that at all, and if if he survived the the blow up of the fir- of the first Death Star, like why is he worried? He's right. living a charmed life. He doesn't need to worry at this point. <laughs> I do love the exposition. There's a lot of that um, in the Mandalorian, and I, I think it certainly helps the non-intense uh, Star Wars fan, the casual Star Wars fans, exactly. to sort of follow, follow you along. you got to give them some credit to, to throw that exposition in there for the, the non-Star Wars fans that everyone's telling, hey, you got to watch this Star Wars show. If you haven't seen any of the movies, don't understand what the heck it is. They do it in a nice way, yes. not Agreed. terrible. Agreed. So. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not a guy explaining exactly everything that's got to happen so they can make the the doohickey fit in the MacGuffin. Um, it is, it's something casually goes by and they go, oh, that's why that happened. And you go, oh, thanks, Joe. And then you move on with your day, you know? Yeah. Now, one and, of the elements that I, that I, I really want to call out in this opening sequence is um, right at the end when they show the title of the, you know, the show, the rescue of the episode, the rescue, um, Gorenson's revved up score. I don't know if you heard the music or if that caught you, uh, but man, it is like the uh, sort of the ultimate version of Gorenson's score for the show. And it was just in full display in that opening sequence. Probably the best use of the score. That was one of the, <clears throat> the things, Steve, I was going to talk about. Oh, my God, the coffee is <clears throat> just kicking in right when I'm going to talk. Um, yeah, I, I think it's one of the better parts of this season is how he scored this episode. Uh, because there will be some incredible, uh, like you mentioned, swelling moments uh, towards the end. The, the changeup of the style from the Western sound that he normally uh, composes into what becomes more of a um, serial uh, theme, almost like a John Williams type theme. Mm-hmm. Later yeah, on. we actually hear almost like a chamber music version at the very end um, during yes. the closing credits, which is it's really great. Um, following the... the um, I guess the rescue, if you will, of uh, Dr. Pershing, um, we get Slave One in all her glory swooping down to the planet surface and landing. And I, I just, I love, again, call back, calling, calling out the visuals on the show. Just seeing Slave One swoop in and land like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's it just... doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. Every time we see Slave One, 
By the way, I want to do a quick little nod to the shuttle that we see is basically a Lambda series shuttle Tidarium, Mm -hmm. which is what we saw last in Return of the Jedi. So I thought that was a cool call out well, right there. Well, the, uh, the, the Tidarium was that shuttle specifically. Isn't it just the Lambda series? Because the Tidarium was specifically that shuttle in Jedi, right? Right, right. Am, mm-hmm. I, am, I getting, am I getting too far into it right now? No, like, I think that's a great poll because okay. I just brought up the Tidarium because I think a lot of us know that from... I'm, I'm doing my fan service right there for you, Greg. Excellent. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Thank you. I, Thank that, you very much. I just learned something from you guys. I did not realize that that shuttle Tidarium is that specific shuttle. Yeah. It's sort of like calling the uh, a, a Carillion um, YT thirteen hundred uh, the Millennium Falcon. There's only one. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, every every ship has a name. You know, it's it's the SS Minnow. They're not all they're not all that ship, right? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. It's, it's like if you saw, yeah, if you saw every ship that looked like the Enterprise, the Enterprise, you'd be wrong. It's actually a Constitution class ship named yeah. the USS Enterprise. There you go. Exactly. Glad well, we got that settled. Settled, guys. Now, so, what <laughs> about what about right when we? When we see, you know, um, right before we go into the restaurant or whatever, there's another ship that's posted up outside next yes. to yes. a real angular, pointy looking. That almost reminded me of Maul's ship that we see in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Not quite, but it looked very close to it. Yeah. Well, and Nico, that, that ship, it looks like it's the one that has wings that stand up and the body lowers down so you can you know um get off the ship and i'm gonna i'm gonna pass this off to scott and and hope that he he knows this one but it's a it almost also looks like a almost the style of a jedi starfighter just a lot bigger um scott what is that ship in the background there damn it i'm i totally lost it too i was i was hoping you wouldn't pull me in on this one <laughs> <laughs> all right well we can come back to it but yeah. we've seen that somewhere before and um yeah so um Talking about that, there's a lot of eye candy. Sounds like there's a, uh, there we go. Fire. Small Getting fire going high. in my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either that or it's a, a spoiler, uh, a new spoiler alert we've got. Um, there's a lot of eye candy in that show. When, when uh, Slave One lands and we've got the, the mystery ship in the background on the left, there's a couple of ships flying out, like sort of departing. And one of them looked kind of mm, Falcon-like. And initially I thought, oh, my God, is that the Falcon in the background? But on, on closer inspection, I don't believe it was. But, um, you know, it almost felt like uh, what's the scene in episode three when you see the Falcon coming into a Coruscant, uh, you know, in, in the background of one of the shots. Um, I was hoping for that, but didn't get it. A little fingernail sized Millennium Falcon amongst all the other ships yeah. that were cruising into the spaceport there. Yes. Yes. All right. So. Mando and Boba walk into a bar. Sounds like a joke. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, of course, they're looking for Bo-Katan and Fennec Shand. Fennec Shand. Uh, a, a melee ensues. And, and there is a lot of, of conversation here that Star Wars fans, um, that was really exciting to hear. So they're calling out... Um, you know, there's a lot of Mandalorian history and what's going on with the planet. Um, it was interesting that that I thought interesting that Boba Fett clearly understands what had happened on Mandalore. Although he's been on Tatooine, he's not. Uh, he must get the Mandalorian news feed because he's been informed that uh, the Empire turned into glass. I I would suspect that even 
on Tatooine, which is legit the middle of nowhere. A, a planet with the significance of Mandalore having something catastrophic happening to it will still penetrate even that middle of nowhereness that is Tatooine. Yeah. Well, I feel like the event of glassing a planet would be something that everybody would hear about. You know, it's mm. that's a that's a big deal. You know, word of that would travel through the known galaxy, the holonet. Yes. Yeah. But but Boba even you know he knows who they're talking to. He knows that he calls Bo-Katan princess. He says Kev yeah. princess. So he knows her history and you know the history of Mandalorian um, Mandalorian lore and who she is. If uh, if only he would have started calling her your worship. <laughs> Dave, thank you for saying that. Um, and and Steve, I know where you're going. With, I thought it was a double entendre type thing. Well, kind of, but I thought it was kind of a callback to A New Hope of him saying something like Han would to Princess Leia. A little but, bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's call something else out. We were all like fanboy fanboying out over the whole fact that they're retconning Boba Fett's history, and here they're retconning the retcon. They're kind of going back and saying you're not a real Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So there is this moment where they're now saying he's not a Mandalorian, a true Mandalorian. So what what's happening with that? Why and he responds? He responds and says, "I never said I was." I, yeah, but, the armor belonged to my father. Yeah. Okay, it's just funny <laughs> that. Okay, all right, I, that's fair. I'm I'm not going to argue that point. It's just funny that he went through all that to show him that that Kodak on his little wrist gauntlet in the episode. That shows the whole history of his family and how his father was a foundling and everything in that, which would literally like if Mando had a kid somewhere down the road, he would become a Mandalorian. And here now he's saying, I, I never said I was. And wait, you know, well, you just did. Well, if they, if they OK, so if the kid grows up, he's got dad's armor. It's a family heirloom. He's not going to not have it but that doesn't mean that he has to follow the way of the mandalore doesn't right mean that he, he has to live by the mandalorian creed and call himself a mandalorian because remember mandalorian is not a race anymore it's a creed so just because he has the armor doesn't mean that he wants to live the way and showing the codex on his wrist is just showing the receipts that yeah this is mine that's that's a great point but let's also say that if it is a creed or a religion he not he, he doesn't have it up on a wall like as a as an icon or, or a memorial he's put the armor on and he's followed in his father's footsteps what was his father he was a mandalorian but he was also a bounty hunter so he's literally doing what boba fett did he took his ship he took his armor he went into his profession he's doing everything that his father did so it's a real stretch to say he's not following the creed of his father, who is a Mandalorian. So that's where I, I that's where this whole retcon, 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 or whatever is happening is kind of messing my head up. <laughs> but that's a great point, Nico. You actually had a really good point on that. Scott. In your defense, that's not the only place where this episode does that. So I know. I, I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> uh, I do love in that little melee they have how they. Um, Fennec Shand uses her jetpack in like a brief burst to, you know, while they're fighting to kind of elevate above uh, Boba Fett. And then she kind of kicks Boba Fett's ass for a second. Isn't, isn't Fennec Shand Ming Wen's character? Yeah. It's not Fennec Shand. It's oh, the other. Oh, yeah. what's that? What's, what's Bo-Katan's um, sidekick? Yeah. Yeah. 
We'll just call her sidekick. I can't remember her name. That's not well, funny. Yeah, when she when she no. dropped the line, I didn't know sidekicks could talk. I was like, uh, hello, pot, this is the kettle, you black. <laughs> well, and that's what that's what he says, but he said it in Star Wars and it was great. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't quote the line for you, but it was awesome because he basically said, you know, exactly that, but in yeah. Star Wars talk. He didn't yeah. say if he had said pot, this is a kettle calling you black. I would quit Star Wars, but after Frog Lady, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, okay, so um, I so am I. I thought that was Fennec Shand. No, no. that's Ming Na. Ming Na is uh, right. so okay. Boba what's this character's name then? Uh, it, she's a new character for the show. She's I'll, not. I'll one up you on that. Where's the dude? That was rounding out their trio. Yeah, and why wasn't that explained that he was just gone? Or right. he's probably in another spin-off show that they just haven't announced yet. Maybe <laughs> he was taking. Maybe he was taking a shit. You know. Okay. <laughs> Wait. I, I got a sidebar on this for a second Co- because Costco Reeves. Costco Reeves. Costco Reeves. Okay. Thank you. Uh, hmm. Whoever put yeah. out the meme where it shows the picture of Moff Gideon with all the troopers at the end of season one. And they have an arrow pointing to Stormtrooper number eight on the left-hand side and says, getting a new series next year from <laughs> Disney+. Plus." Thank you. That's that awesome. was that made my day. So, um, it, At the end of the melee, uh, getting back to this episode, um, Boba is really clear. You know, he says, Grogu is my only priority, yeah. which at the time, you know, seems a little bit innocuous. But that 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 is an important it's no lie. It's yeah. no lie. That is an important plot point that uh, comes up later. Yeah. Um, hey, pers- Steve, Steve, we need to back up real quick for a second to the opening shot after the chase. We missed one little important factor in there, and that's when Boba Fett enters the uh, Lambda series shuttle mm-hmm. and has the confrontation. There is a little melee that happens there, which I thought was important because Dr. Pershing does point out that he is a clone specialist of some sort, a clone doctor or clone engineer. Engineer, thank you. And uh, I think that's very, also very important to what we've been seeing on the show for the last two seasons because we've speculated. Was that new? That wasn't. Was that new information? Well, it we was had new, seen. It was, well, I don't think it was. It was explicit they, information. Yeah, we had. They've seen really the hinted com- around it, but they've never said it explicitly. The okay. Camino well, badge fair. on his shoulders. We had seen. You know, he was doing genetic work, but they had never said that he was a cloner. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for pointing that out, Scott. Another. Uh, hey, this is what it is. Moving per- on. Pershing yeah. mentioned that. Um, He's talking about the dark troopers. He says they're third generation. The human inside was the final weakness to be solved. Hmm. And I, I thought there's something there that that um, there's some depth there to the understanding that, you know, these stormtroopers that we've got, they just they're just terrible. <laughs> and the weakness to be, you know, in them is that there's human beings inside the stormtroopers. Well, droids work so well for the uh, Federation army. So, I mean, why not go back to that? <laughs> I know. I literally turned to Christine at one point a little later in the episode. And I said, okay, so they're basically battle droids that don't suck, right? That's what this is. <laughs> I do like how they did replace the human inside with a dubstep DJ, though. I did appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's a sequence. And, and I will say the last, the last weakness that remains to be solved is that for how badass these things are, 
apparently they boot up using some kind of Windows 95 operating system because it takes forever. Are you reading my notes? That's hilarious. Yeah, they need to add more RAM or something. Like, Go go what? one step further. They, they stopped using Windows 95 and went to Windows ME. That's all. I, I mean, it was bad. Oh, my gosh. Um so when they're so they're coming out, they're beginning to hatch the plan to attack Moff Gideon's light cruiser. They come out of hyperspace. Um, Moff Gideon launches the Tie Fighters. I thought it was really cool to see the inner workings of the launch tube and sort of how the Tie Fighters get launched and the the whole editing for that sequence. It's maybe just about a minute, but the editing on this episode, I just thought it was really sharp and spot on. Um, and again, the visuals of the the Tie Fighters getting launched was really cool. Can I? Can, I want to shout out to all my Star Wars sci-fi geeks right here on the show. How many of you saw the original Battlestar Galactica and thought you're seeing Vipers being launched out the oh, tube? Yeah. That yeah. was my that was my Great exact call. thought. Okay. <clears throat> Great callback. Original and reboot, by oh, the way. My dad, though, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Um. So our heroes are able to board the light cruiser once again. Stormtroopers, absolutely no match. They're just, they're, they're just, you know, they go through them like butter. Uh, they really need to improve the stormtrooper training program. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, and on the way to rescue Grogu, uh, Din Djarin is a little bit late to preventing the uh, dark troopers from activating. And one of them makes it out of the dark trooper. Um, what do you call it? I guess the uh, charging station. Yeah. Which is inexplicably bordering the exterior of the ship. Like you'd think you'd want your most valuable commodity, like a little, a little protected by more than just one bulkhead to the vacuum of space. <laughs> well, right. as we see later, maybe they're, you know, maybe they sometimes you want to launch them into space. You know, maybe yeah. that's some, maybe that's part of the plan. Sometimes I'm, I'm just going to throw out there that might be an option that is more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> just gonna throw was, that out there it was a little callback to early in the season when um mando blows out the imperial officers out of the bulkhead because they're uh right up against the side of the ship the bulkhead yeah. of the ship yeah um the fight that ensues between Man the mandalorian and the dark trooper was was pretty cool it's pretty impressive with the dark trooper just pounding mandalorian's helmet so that Dent, scene was denting the wall and yes. not, not affecting yeah. the helmet. I yeah. love that. So here's the funny thing. And this is the, the irony or the joke of it. Yes. One, it was such a cool scene because we get to see the fight and nothing's happening to the armor. And and this is supposed to be the superior droid, right? The, the right. dark trooper. Mm. Instead, the only thing it can come up with is just continue pounding his face into the wall, which is just destroying the ship they're on and not the armor. <laughs> Yeah. When a human probably would have analyzed the situation and said, oh, wait, you have weaknesses elsewhere on your arm or that's not covering. <laughs> he just continues to push him through the wall. So I'm like, OK, maybe the droid thing isn't the superior thing. Although to the to the dark troopers um, credit, he then, you know, throws Mandalorian, or, you know, there's a fight ensues and Mandalorian gets knocked to the ground and he pulls out his blaster. And he's trying to blast Mandalorian. Yeah, and uh, that's not working because he's, uh, of course, got his armor. <laughs> um, Mando tries to burn him, and it just pisses him off. Um, those things are pretty impressive, but the, you know, that is all set up for. Look, Mando barely beat one of them. There's yeah. no way anyone has a shot against an entire battalion. Yeah, they're just setting up the strength of the dark troopers. Um, 
Finally, Mando gets to Grogu, and he's got Gideon holding the dark saber over Grogu's right. head. But before we get into that, yep. was anybody else lying awake last night just really disturbed that the Imperials have baby-sized handcuffs just ready to go <laughs> on the ship? This, this came up the last time when we saw him actually, well, not put him on, but they were on. I mean, yeah, that that's not right. <laughs> That's, that's really maybe there's a kit it might be like a kit of of uh sized hand maybe they've even got smaller ones you know they, like teeny, teeny little ones do the, does the empire bulk order from like amazon galaxy version and they have like kid size maybe they have animal ones too yeah <laughs> true so gideon is uh gideon tells tells Mando, I imagine they've killed everyone on the bridge being the murderous savages that they are. And and I, I love the sort of the juxtaposition when we get a little insight on how the Empire views what's happening in the galaxy, right? Well, and, and we had that earlier too, right? The guy who was mouthing off to Cara Dunes was like, destroying your planet was a small price to pay for restoring galactic order. Yes. Like that, it, it it's not just that moment. That's a recurring theme in how Favreau writes the Imperials, which I love. And yeah. the same thing with the episode where um, the Mando and um, the other the, the prisoner that they get out of the scrapyard are sitting there talking with the, the officer. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know, people want order. You know, they think that they want chaos, but they want order. And that's why we're here to do, you know, the good work. Right. Yeah. And the, rebel, the rebels are viewed as terrorists. To it's, the end. Yeah, and, and that's always been a, a theme that I think a lot of us has talked outside of just the general uh, boundaries of the trilogy. Is you know, it's a rebellion. They're they're fighting uh, like a, a system. They're fighting an actual. And I know we call it the Empire because we see the good and bad of the evil and all that stuff. But it's interesting, Dave. You pointed this out, and everyone's examples here. That's because it's more than that. There are other little sprinkles of it here and there throughout at least this season where they talk about that. You know, the outer rim planets don't care about the politics of the the core worlds and all that. I think it's really interesting how he lightly sprinkles in the politics of it. And it comes to something like this where you have somebody like Gideon. So, um, yeah, I, I found that very fascinating. I You know, this is how you enter in a world of politics into a Star Wars thing and not hit you over the head with trade federations and galactic disputes and and congress and all that stuff yeah i mean that that you know that's what it boils down to we can't we kind of just care about who's the good guy who's the bad guy and you can make them cartoonishly evil and 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 shout out to giancarlo esposito who's born to play a bad guy between between moff gideon now gus fring um, there was a short-lived sci-fi show about the you know basically the end of society that was on him where he was also the bad guy he is so good in this role and yeah. you just you know he just exudes evil it's easy to tell okay this is a bad guy i'm supposed to be rooting against him and you don't have to get into the the politics of the taxation of the trade routes or anything like that it's just unnecessary and, and no. not only in writing that, oh, go ahead, Dave, sir. in writing sometimes it's best to leave things up to the imagination just give the little sprinkle mm-hmm. of what it is because we're all as fans we're going to fill in the gaps for ourselves and not yeah. be wrong mm-hmm by the way, to Greg's point, uh, there was a great article with uh, uh, God. I always I always mispronounce his name. How to say it? What's his name? Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if any of you read it, but there's a great quote by him where he said, "My daughter's a huge Star Wars fan, and she asked me, you know, 
whatever you do, Daddy, don't hurt Baby Yoda. He's, <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he laughed and he joked about it, and he goes, I take that little green sucker out later, <laughs> later on. I'm like, dude, you, you were evil, man. That's awesome. Now, now, when I said earlier, there were some moments where I was like, ah, it's a flaw, but I don't care. This scene actually was one of those moments just because Juan Carlo was monologuing like it was an Incredibles movie. Oh, yeah. Like he was oh, yeah. on an Incredibles movie. And for a split second, it took me out. And then I was like, oh, who gives a shit? Just go yes. with it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it's, get... you know, Incredibles parodies the moment, but it's every James Bond villain that's <laughs> out there. I mean, he is monologuing like a motherfucker in that scene. And it's, it's great. It's perfect. So yeah. six wretched Hyvie and Chris Evans, that was one of his points. He messaged me like, I hate bad guys that monologue. And I'm like, which bad guy doesn't monologue? Right. <laughs> but, but if you are going to do it, let this guy do it. Because it really is Shakespeare the way it was meant to be done. Yeah. yeah, and he does put that twist on it. I love how he comes back and he's like, "Oh, you're just here for the kid. You, you don't care." I mean, it was believable. I know there was a there's always that doubt. Oh, he's gonna take him out, but that moment, that twist moment, is like, is he's got the blood? He's got everything he wants. Is he just gonna really he, walk away? And and that was the the one big takeaway for me from that monologue. I've yeah. got what I want. Because yeah. I really think that was those Mando and Moff Gideon are two characters that are fairly honest, regardless of who they're speaking to. Yeah. So for him, it's like I can kill him now. I don't care. I've got what I want. That was what's going to happen. Point. Yeah, what's yeah. going to happen with that blood going forward? Yeah. Right. That's the, that's a question to be answered yet. His exposition here also sets up the twist at the end, where he says, "Whomever wields the sword has the right to lay claim to the Mandalorian throne." And he's explaining to Mando, that's how this works. And Mando says, no, you keep it. I just want the kid. Uh, the fight between Gideon and, and, and Jiren is great. Um, Mando so, ends up taking the sword. The we dark all sword. talk about best lightsaber fights, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Steve, but yep. can it be, I just need to ask this as a clarification question, can it be one of the best lightsaber fights in Star Wars if there is only one lightsaber? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. is a dark I, saber technically a lightsaber? Yes. 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 Okay. It's an I ancient lightsaber. Yes. It was taken from the Jedi. It, okay. it, that is one of my favorite lightsaber fights. Yeah, that it was I have great. Seen. It was great. And the way he the way he used his armor uh, in conjunction with the spear, you know, for blocking and parrying and 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 yeah, it was it was it was as well choreographed as um, the Revenge of the Sith fight, if not better. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the fight, um, Gideon says, you're sparing my life. Well, this should be interesting. And you're kind of like, hmm, where is this going? Right. Yeah. Um, And uh, so I I feel like for him, after seeing the, the next scene on the bridge, that was more of like for his own amusement. Knowing yes. what was going to happen between Mando and Bo-Katan, he was, I feel, I feel in that moment, just kind of musing to himself, like, oh, I get to sit back and watch this, because he knows that that um, Mando has no idea the the significance of the Darksaber, right. and he knows how important it is to Bo-Katan. And the casual Star Wars fans are learning this along with yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. You, if you haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels, you're probably starting to see or pick up on that history. Um, I think what this is, is not only what Nico said, 
Uh, but I'm going to go farther is it sets up something much bigger down the road that's not dealing with the empire. I know it's it's the moment we think is going to happen on the bridge, but I think it's going to be something that's going to be a long explored idea through the rest of this, maybe next season or the whole series and could send itself like lead itself over into Bo-Katan's series or whatever. What is it? What is her series going to be? Well, we don't know that she's going to be in it, but there's a Rangers of the New Republic, but there's okay. nobody, there's not any idea who these Rangers are. If okay. X-Wing pilot isn't one of them, X-Wing pilot number one with the beard, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> I, I have a feeling this is setting up season three, Scott. I, I think okay, this yeah. is where this is going. My my gut is that we're going to see a lot. We're going to see Mandalore in season three. But <clears throat> I just want to point this out. So Bo-Katan says... She's surprised. Like, what happened? And Cara Dune says he brought him in alive. That's what happened. And um, Moff Gideon says that's not what she's talking about, right? So again, <laughs> setting up the the transition of the dark saber. Now it belongs to her, um, but she can't take it. Uh, or Mando says, "No, well, now it belongs to her," and he tries to hand it to her, and she can't take it. You've got to take it in combat. Um, and I just, I just love that whole little, little um, explanation by, by Gideon. You know, it doesn't work that way. The dark saber doesn't have power. The story does. Mm-hmm. And without that blade, she's a pretender to the throne. And you see the angst in her face. It's just well acted it, by Katie. Yeah. And, and it's such a good point, though, right? Like so many things in our everyday lives, it's the symbolism that has the power. It's not that there's any requirement that it happened this way. It's not written anywhere. It's just it's what we do. And when we all come together and we all have those shared experience moments through the symbolism, it it, it that was a moment that really kind of hit me more than I think the writers intended. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. I'm, and I'm like, I was waiting for Mando to say, okay, hit me in the face and take the sword. Done. Problem it's solved. I mean, and, obviously, it doesn't have to end in death, right? Yeah. Because if he was able to take it from Moff Gideon and Moff Gideon is subdued, then why couldn't Bo-Katan subdue without killing uh, Jin Jaren and just take it from him that way? Mm-hmm. Right? This, this, yeah. This also leads to another big point, and we haven't found out how that sword was taken from Bo-Katan. She's obviously still alive. Um and does and, and if if Moff Gideon was the one that took it, did he say in the show that he's the one that took it from her? Has it been explained yet? I can't remember. No, no. I don't think so. Okay, so let's say he's the one that took it. If he's the one who actually took the sword, do, do those rules apply? All he did was take the sword. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how it happened. I will and, say that he's probably the one who did because every episode that... Well, I mean, at least the one where the the three Mandalorians plus uh, Jin they pirate that Imperial ship. Mm-hmm. Um, Bo-Katan was saying, you know, like you guys can do whatever you need to, but Moff Gideon is mine. Like, you know, and then even in this episode when we're getting there, like reminding everybody, Moff Gideon is mine because she uh, yeah. knows that he has it. She knows he has it, and she knows she has to be the one to take him down so she can get the sword. Yeah. Well, so, I'm also and just gonna... this is something that's been over time, so I would assume that she knew he had it because he's the one who took it. 
Well, I'm also going to throw out perhaps that means Moff Gideon is the Imperial higher up who is responsible for the glassing of the planet Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I just got to throw out there in, in at the end of the show, Rebels, which I don't know if you guys ever got all the way through, um, um, there is a, a Mandalorian character similar in, in look and style to Bo-Katan. Her name's Sabine Wren. She's the one who gets the Darksaber and, get, and gives it to Bo-Katan. She gives it to oh, her. Interesting. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, Bean hands it over. Okay. So they, they've already set up that she was given it once, and, uh-huh. and, and maybe because she loses it somehow. So they're going to have to explain why she was able to be handed it once and why she cannot just be handed it again. Well, that would ex- uh, that that might even explain why she didn't take it here. I haven't watched Rebels all the way through, but I've read that and I'd forgotten yeah. it until you brought it up. But if it has to be taken in combat and she took it as a gift once and acted as if she had been given it, that would have been a huge scandal. And that's yeah. why she was just is standing there like, oh, he's doing it again. I can't do it again. I have to kill this guy to get it. But I actually yeah. like this guy. And, and it was something at the time in Rebels that was agreed to by all the clans of Mandalore. So... Um, so there, there is a, there is a further story to that as how she was able to acquire it, not in combat, but you know, they've already, it's already been established that, that she was given the, the, the saber once not through combat. And, and I guess bad things are happening because she's lost it now. And maybe that's, maybe that leads to her some claim of illegitimacy, illegitimacy Mm. to the throne for her. Yeah. Um, Okay, so dark troopers reboard. They're mar- they're closing in on the bridge where our heroes are holding Gideon. They're pounding down the door. Gideon even says, you know what's going to happen here. There's going to be a valiant firefight, and then everyone in this room is going to be dead. Except, except me. me. Right, except me. And the child. And then... There's an alert. There's a ship coming in. You look out the window. It's an X-wing. Cardu says, "Oh, great! One X-wing. We're saved." Yeah, yeah. An obviously aged X-wing. You know. Yes. Been around the block a couple times. <laughs> right. For for from us from our well with our so were the X-wings that are were earlier when uh, Filoni and his partner were were um, you know patrolling. Are those were those later model X-wings? Well, no, it was very, very dirty. It was very when you see it come into frame oh, the first gotcha. time, it's obviously been through some shit, like literally. Yeah, whereas <laughs> the other ones are very crispy. You mean clean. like it was submerged in a lake for weeks at a time? <laughs> uh, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been in a swamp on Dagobah somewhere? Yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't it have been great if we saw it like Greg, you're talking about how dilapidated it looked. If it was like like an old car kind of sputtering. A couple, of, a couple little backfires coming out a the engine. O rings shooting out the back of the exhaust. <laughs> a cloaked figure emerges, and uh, the first time we see the cloaked figure, it's um, it's a black and white image. Mm-hmm. You see, obviously wielding the lightsaber and and starting to cut down the dark troopers. Not seeing the uh, color of the, of the blade. Is, you see it black and white first. Because you're 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 looking with with the with our heroes looking watching video monitors watching this this cloaked figure, um you know converge on, uh, and and battle the dark troopers. Nico, what do you got? Well, first, this is where all the dark troopers kind of turn around, right? Yeah. They know something's happening, so they all turn around. They all change their focus from this one door, and turn around, and then you see them all lined up in the hallways. 
you see them lined up, they all walk towards, you know, the other direction, and they're all sitting there, and you get this close-up shot down the line of all the dark troopers. But they're also they split apart, right? There's, like, some dark troopers. some here, some there, yeah. Else. yeah. But, but the throwback that I was, you know, talking to earlier, or talking about earlier, um, is to Rogue One. Yes. And the red hallway. Yes. And just seeing all the droids, and you just see the door open, the lightsaber, and then just, it, just I had, have it. Just wreckage. I had that same thought, Nico, that it was the murder hallway, except it was with a green blade exactly. instead of a red blade. And I'll leave <laughs> yes. it right there. It was so, a really cool juxtaposition to that scene. Yeah. I, I want to add one more reference. You guys, Rogue One is fantastic, but I also thought of Revenge of the Sith when you see Anakin. First time as Darth Vader go to Mustafar and he comes into the room where he's going to kill everybody in the room. And there is some some kind of throwbacks to the way uh, this cloaked character is menacing. And I mean, maybe it's just the way it's shot. We don't see who it is, even though we know at this point. But um, but I'm going to I'm going to go back to Steve's thing, because there is great use of black and white. I think Greg pointed it out until we see color. Yeah. So. And you see, you also see Grugo, uh, Grogu. <laughs> you, also see, you, you also see Grogu Go-Gurt. sort of, sort of pop up, sort of like, oh, he's like aware of something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you well, know, he, he, he does the monitor thing. He puts his hand out on top of the yes. monitor. At that point, you know it's a Jedi. Now you said you knew, or I think you just said Scott that you knew who it was yeah. i i will i, I'll, I know I'll who it was but that's a whole different conversation well we, spe- we speculated like, as to luke a couple weeks ago i, I so. speculated it would be luke a couple weeks ago yeah yeah <laughs> hang on there was speculation but i was like are they still in my mind i was like are they really doing this like i couldn't when i saw the green light cerebro i'm like okay this shit is happening well but I still mean, even then i still didn't fully believe it and I'll, I'll be- tell you when I did fully believe it. Did Go you ahead. believe it when you saw the gloved hand? I was going to say, That's when, when the- I fully believed it. Yes. <clears throat> when I saw the gloved hand and the tip of the lightsaber, that lightsaber with the little rings that, you know, grow yeah. in size, the, the. That's, you know, when it was for sure, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people waiting to see the face, but it's like, if you know your lightsabers, you knew exactly when the gloved hand and you saw the hilt of that saber, you knew exactly who it was. Yeah, it wasn't until I saw those gloved hands that I was like, holy shit, that is Luke Skywalker. Are they going to show his face? And then two seconds later, pulls the hood. Um, but before we get there, I thought it was interesting that Gideon, you know, in his panic in the last moments before luke enters the room he's going to commit suicide he puts his gun up to his yeah. have we seen that in star wars yes I don't oh. think yes we have we have also committed suicide yeah. throughout not the mandalorian by, yeah not by gun but dave pointed it out the uh imperial officer that bit into his little tooth pellet. oh yeah good call yeah, yeah. along with yeah. the empire <laughs> and a cara dune prevents him from killing himself um so there's, you know, the the Jedi is coming up in the elevator and they're showing the lights of the elevator moving up. And God, the anticipation. It, watching it again this morning, um, it, it, it's so riveting. Um, and, and, and that sequence really drives home just how OP Jedis are, overpowered, compared yeah. to, like, the rest of mortals in the Star Wars universe. 
Well, and right? like they set up this- like, oh, it took everything they had to beat just one of these guys, and now they're facing a battalion, and then Luke shows up and in like 90 seconds just dispatches everybody and doesn't even work up a sweat. Oh, but God, that was a great 90 seconds. That yeah, was a combat that's, series. It sure was. That's awesome. what, and, that's, and that's what she said, Nico. That's what yep. she said. <clears throat> take, take, taking out taking out the dark troopers, some he decapitates, some he just cuts straight down the middle, you know, a la the, the Clone Wars. Some of them he force crushes like a fucking Pepsi can against a forehead. <laughs> yeah, the that's last my... one, he, for, he crushes together exactly like an aluminum can. Um, which pretty much for me uh, uh, ends the argument about who wins in a fight, Darth Vader or Iron Man. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Man, you're gone! And and that robot crushing move, that was a total Anakin Skywalker move. That was a total dad move. That's that's, that's my moment. Well, You're the last whole, one. I'm gonna do this special. Here we and go. that's the whole that that you know seals off the point I was making of the you know the red hallway is that was mm. a total throwback because didn't we see that at the end of the red hallway too? As Vader's coming out, he picks up one of the rebels and chokes him to death as like the final like fuck all of you. Mm. Um. Yep. Yeah, but he he's doing so much in that sequence. I know he he lifts the one guy. He's holding him, slices him. Oh, good. But that's, it's that's Anakin, so it doesn't. I mean, there's Anakin in that moment. There's Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Seriously, go back to the scene where he walks into the boardroom and he is just slicing and dicing everything. And he's just, I mean, he picks up Padme at the scene where he's choking her there and holding her in the air. I mean, there is just so much callback to Anakin at that moment for me. So. When Luke enters, he's standing in the doorway. The door is open. You see the green lightsaber in the fog of the battle that just ensued. Just lightsabers look just badass in fog. Sorry, that just, <laughs> just bring bring me any lightsaber final uh, battle that happens in fog, and and, and I'm in. Um, and then you see his hands. His he's he's he comes into the room. You see the hands. You see one gloved. That was indeed the moment that I knew for sure. Holy shit, this is Luke Skywalker. And then he takes the the hood off. And there's something that mildly looks like Mark Hamill from 1983. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I know. I was expecting to say, I make you a gift of these two droids. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say, let's, let's, let's talk about this because there's a lot of ink being spilt on how uh, awkward the look, or it doesn't look quite right. Or, you know, it's a little bit off. Uh, Scott, you mentioned to me off offline that you felt like it would pulled you out of it a little bit. What did you guys think of Luke's digitized uh, deep it, fake face? It pulled me out of it a little bit, and I didn't care. Yeah, I'm I'm with Dave. I, it 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 was more um it for me it was more of Carrie Fisher in Rogue One than it was uh, Peter Cushing in Rogue One. Um, which I, I, I which it was still very cartoony. The lips didn't quite move mm. but it was still what i wanted it to be well so, i mean let, let, at that time in in mark hamill's life when he you know had lost the arm and all of that and he's standing there in in his black robes with his metallic hand talking to jabba he his lips didn't move then either really <laughs> well so, <laughs> he so just let me got ask you this. mauled and was out of surgery so let me ask you this, Greg, because it, it we saw this movie together. Mm-hmm. Is it more uh, was it more Carrie Fisher from Rogue One or was it more Samuel L. Jackson from Captain Marvel? 
Oh, um, good pull. Uh, I, I, I think I think the Samuel Jackson one was better because that is his actual performance, and they just like digitally color his face. Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. That is, you know, a digital capture of something, not Carrie Fisher's face at all. Same thing, same thing here. Not Mark Hamill's face at all, just a digital capture of his face. Yeah, I'm with Greg on this, uh, except for the fact it did pull me out. Um, here's the problem. Uh, what Greg just said is true. So this is this is actually really bizarre for me. For somebody for a company like Disney to not do what they could have done to make the scene so much better really was the pulling out moment. Uh, yes, I'm, I, I'm saying that. Sorry. Um, but here's here's the catch. This was exactly what they did for Rogue One. Uh, there's an actor stand in. His name's Max Lloyd Jones. They could have actually used Sebastian Saw, uh, Shaw, but they went with Stan. this guy. Stan. God, my God. Uh, I Sebastian saying. Shaw is an X-Men villain. Sebastian Stan <laughs> is is an actor and a real person. Well, isn't my... Sebastian Soth the guy who played Anakin, yes. old Anakin in Return of the Jedi after yes. the mask comes off? Isn't that Sebastian Shaw? <laughs> he's also Shaw an X-Men villain. He's, he's the black king. Do you see what my pop culture geekness is doing? It's cross-wiring everything. Uh, Max Lloyd-Jones is the actor who played the stand-in for him, and then they did that thing that they did for Rogue One for uh, Tarkin and, and uh, Leia. However, look what Disney did with... Um, all the other stuff they done, Disney and I can't remember the company, but what was the the big um, uh, gangster movie that was on Netflix during all this? That's like four hours oh, long. The Irishman. Oh, yeah. 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 So look how they de-aged all of those guys. How come those looked at sometimes very realistic, and they can't quite do that? <laughs> I love well, that. I, at sometimes they looked realistic, think, meaning at other times they looked like shit. Okay, but. but I don't, Think, they, I don't think it's de-aging. I, I think they yeah. recreated. It's a, like a digital recreate. It's almost like what they did. I think it's closer to Tarkin. Yeah, frankly, uh, I, I think that I think the Irishman stuff is more closer to what they did with Samuel Jackson and Captain Marvel, where the the actual actors. It's actually De Niro and Pesci in those performances, just de-age. Where and it was Samuel Jackson just de-age. This is not Mark Hamill, so you have to put something entirely new on it. But I'm going to take it a step further for you, Scott. Go on YouTube and look at any of those deep fake videos. Like they put Jim Carrey on the Joker's face from the Joaquin Phoenix performance. Right. And those look better than this. Right, exactly. And that's what's driving me crazy about this. Um, why? Okay, you say it's more Tarkin. I think Tarkin looked more realistic than the Leia moment. In uh, absolutely. One. And you and, think that Leia and this Luke are about equal in realism or what do you, what do you, I'm going to say at moments, okay, okay I got to go back to something Dave said, Dave, that was a four hour series or a movie, um, where all we had to do in this sequence was what, not even 30 seconds. You can take 30 seconds and really put a lot of effort. And if they built an entire digital platform called the volume to make this the most realistic looking television sci-fi show ever. Why can't they take 30 seconds to give us not a smooth faced? I don't care if they gave him some stubble. It's flat. It looked like a video game. It looked like a video game from 2005. I, I completely disagree. I, you need to go mm. back and look at it again. I, I think so. I, I, I don't. I, I let's let's also go back and play some video games. Think, from 2005. Well, <laughs> so, I, I think there's I a recommend couple Silent of, Hill. There's a couple of different shots of Luke in this scene. And the first time you see his face, it, it, it is a little bit angelic and a little bit stoic, right? right? And he's actually not even breathing hard after he just, uh, Chris, Chris mentioned to me, he's like, he just took out a battalion of dark troopers and he's like, he's yeah. like the most fit person in the galaxy. 
He's been the new Apple Apple Fitness Plus is what he's been doing. Well, he had he had six and a half seconds in the elevator up to the bridge to cleanse himself. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. After the first time, after the first time you see him, there's two other shots or maybe three other shots where you see his face, and he actually they he looks down, he makes facial gestures. I mean, look, Baby Yoda is clearly a puppet or some sort of audio animatronic thing. Does that pull you out when you see Baby Yoda not exactly looking like a true sentient being? No, he looks realistic compared to Mark Hamill. (laughs) Until somebody somebody picks him up off the ground and puts him in their arms, or until he reaches out and touches somebody's face, I always notice when they pick him up, it's like, oh, hey, look, here's a little, you know, couch pillow. Let me pick this up and put it in my arm. It doesn't move or flop around. Oh, hey, look, it's going to touch something. Here's a little CG arm coming from off screen. Like those moments take me out. But um, this Luke Skywalker to me, and I don't know who was the base for the deep fake that they did. I don't know if they've credited the actor, but it looked. Yeah. Huh? Scott named him. Yeah, Yeah, Max Lloyd-Jones is the actor. Yeah, okay. It looked like Alden Alderike. I had some (laughs) serious Han Solo (laughs) movies, throwbacks. Uh, It was like they took Alden and gave him a cleft chin, and that's what I saw. Oh, my God. But you really were it, traumatized by that movie, Nico. We, we I, need to have some It's not the movie. It's the well, actor. Fuck him and everything he's in for the rest Wait a of minute. Did, did, did Luke have his hands on his belt? He <laughs> because... put him on his belt at one point. But no, that's right. what I saw. I saw. I saw an actor, and then it was, to me, the only deep fake part that I saw that was, like, not quite there was the lips and the chin. The lips and the chin looked fake, whereas yeah. like the eyes and the forehead looked like a real person. Yeah. It looked like half a deep fake to me. I'm going to try to end the conversation with this note because no, we're, we're running way I've long. Got so, no, I have I'm just so going to say this. <laughs> I got to see Luke Skywalker after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I got to see him oh, shortly yeah. after Return of the Jedi, which is something I have wanted since 1983, yeah. and I cried openly in front of Christine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the story. It was As a, a real man event. should in front of a woman. I, I cried because they used 2005 CGI, but that's okay. Uh, different story. No, hang on. It, Steve, you said he looked angelic, and that is exactly what Carrie Fisher looks like at the end of Rogue One. It does. There's this surrealistic kind of glow about her, and I had that same feeling inside the cloak of this CG character, and that Kind of is what is again. This doesn't make this a bad episode. And Dave, to your point, I am so happy I got to see a seven years after Return of the Jedi character. And to Nico's point, real quick, Nico, before you jump in, um, yeah, I agree with him. I don't know if I would go full blown, uh, Aaron, whatever, Alden Alderreich, his name because you need to curse it for the rest of his life. And I will, I'll say, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's as bad as the 97 Return of the Jedi Jabba, but I think he's more like 2004 DVD Jabba. That's what I'm saying. All right. And I don't hate Solo, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Solo, a Star Wars movie, is a good movie. All right? Alden Alderite's just a terrible actor. It's a personal yeah. thing. All right. <laughs> All right. Did he murder your, as, one of your cats? A, 
he as murdered I, one of my favorite characters as I began on screen of, for of two hours. With, um, a lot of ink, a lot of ink has been spilt, and a lot of audio has been has now been shared with the world about this issue. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it more. Um, getting to the end here, um, Mando says, you know, he doesn't want to go with you. Luke comes back with he wants your permission. Um, I'll give my life for the child, but he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. Uh, there's that touching moment. I was weeping as well, Dave. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, Mando says, it's time to go. Don't be afraid. And then who rolls up? R2. The moment it was like another, I was already weepy. And then R2-D2 rolls up. I, oh my God. It was so great. I want to say that the first thought I thought of you, Steve, was, oh, thank God it wasn't 3PO. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. God, talk about Rufio. 3PO doesn't it, fit in the X-Wing, and Luke Skywalker is happy every single day he climbs in that cockpit that 3PO doesn't fit in the X-Wing with him. You know, I can't wait to see 3PO and Grogu try to get together, because 3PO is going to have no fucking idea what language Grogu's speaking, and it's going to be the first time 3PO has no idea what a species language is, mm. and it's going to so, be awesome. I thought that that scene was was very well done and touching for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, Star Wars, at least the original trilogy at its core, it's about daddy issues, Luke and yeah. Anakin. Yes. And this Mandalorian has been about daddy issues, the relationship between Grogu and the Mandalorian. I think they missed a little a little moment where he would he should have taken the knob from the ship, his last surviving thing of the Razor's Crest, and given it to Grogu as a going away present. Yeah, I think that yeah, would have been. He still had that in his pocket, huh? That's what I'm, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What I'm saying. Well, I mean, to be fair, Grogu's about to become a Jedi, and he's got to release all of his material right, but, attachments. True, but he doesn't know that. Mandalorian doesn't know that. True. Can, so can I, can the I other depressing something? thing that I had, my last point, Scott, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I think that was actually a very dark undertone scene, actually, because uh, we all know from the sequel yes. trilogy yeah. that. All of Luke's apprentices were killed by Ben Solo when Ben Solo flipped his shit prior to uh, The Force Awakens. So that is potentially the last time we'll see Grogu alive. We know Grogu goes to his death now with Luke Skywalker. And Luke was lying when he said, I will give my life to protect the child. No, Luke, you didn't. You didn't, Luke. <laughs> Baby Yoda's death is on your head. Well, well I don't know. And he's lying. CGI from 2005 head. In the moment, I don't think Luke was lying. I think Luke meant what he said, but turns out that he was not well, correct. Yeah, we know we, things we, that Luke Skywalker doesn't. And now, Scott, yeah. thank you for letting me rant. I turn it over to you. Mr. Yeah, this, I'm coming back to you on something. I think I agree with you. First of all, I agree with you on the the little uh, the, the knob thing that he took off there. However, I think he may have saved his life. I think if you remember at the season, they put a tracking beacon on that ship. I think that's the tracking beacon, because if you look, that knob is like a chrome knob, just like a gear lever type thing. When he picks it, not picks it up in the scene, but another scene where he gives it to Grogu, that thing changes a look. There's a little blue kind of glowing dot on it. Go back and look at some of those last episodes from this season. On and I think side. it's not a reflection of, of like whatever light was uh, shining off of it. It could be. It could be. But I'm just saying it looked different enough. And I'm like, maybe he actually... You know, by not giving him, saved his life eh, for a while until Luke ended up killing him. 
it looks like a, it, it looks like a like you could something you buy at Craig and Auto Parts for like your '79 Camaro or something. You don't want a <laughs> chrome shifter on the on the knob. Um, so, okay, so the show ends, and I I'm literally moved to tears. I'm staring at the screen, just watching the credits. I, I, I'm sorry. I need to pull a Scott here. I need to back up just one minute because you guys are kind of glossing over it because, yeah. uh, you know, you talk, you guys want to be man babies and cry over fucking Luke Skywalker <laughs> and R2-D2. But the whole emotional center of the show and the part where I choked up is where he lifts the helmet and they see mm-hmm. each other yes. eye to eye for the first time. I'm like, that is where my, oh my, and Dave talks about daddy issues. He's absolutely correct because We've spent now two years with these guys going over, you know, agonizing over every step they take and watching them go on this journey together and watching them grow together and to see them look into each other's eyes for the first time and the pain. Come on, Pedro Pascal, the pain of letting this little guy go that he's fought so hard for. That for me, fuck Luke Skywalker being back. That (laughs) made this whole episode right there. And that's you know, going to be isolated for a sound clip later, by the way. But um, uh, I totally agree. And I, my thought was that should have been the first time we see his face. If that would have been so much more powerful, even yeah. just the even episode previous. If if I don't think he should have decloaked him or you know demasked himself in the episode previous. If that was the first time this season would have been much better. And if it was the first time at all, it would have been absolutely a grand slam. But I I, I agree. I agree, Greg. Yep. I disagree with you, Steve. I I get your point. And and to that, I do agree. But I don't think the times that we have seen him without the mask, those moments were fantastic and played out. And we didn't see him through the whole season. We saw him one time in season one. And we saw him one time in season two with a glimpse of Grogu looking at him as he was eating. So you do see the moment where he's trying to look up in the mask. He's trying to make that visual facial recognition with him. And the, the scene that you're talking about at the uh, Imperial Compound, um, I like that. I like that it showed that he'll – because he wasn't there. Grogu's not there. He's doing this for Grogu. And so yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I'm not taking away from that moment, but I'm just saying yeah. this moment would have been so much more impactful if we hadn't seen his face yet. Yeah. If it would have been more impactful than it already was, I'd be dead right now, Steve. Can't do that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> now, talking about more impact, we're all moved. We make it through the credits, and then screen flashes to the twin sons of Tatooine. Well, let's go. Let's uh, again. No, no production art during the credits, and I'm like, what's going on? Why yeah, is no. this different? <laughs> oh no! That actually, oh, that actually, no. that actually was the the worst part of the episode for me. No production Wait, art during no production art. See, yeah. I, I look forward to I, that shit. Every I, time. You didn't watch all the way through, Nico. I did it wrong. What okay, we're gonna isolate that clip for later too, Steve. Right? <laughs> I did, wrong. I did it nope. wrong. Nico, you have not. Have you not seen what we're about to discuss? Credit? No, oh, I fucking oh, I hit credits and went to bed. Okay, wait. Hold on. Okay, it was wait, fucking can, 2 can, o'clock wait, in the morning, can, Thursday can, night. Can you pull this up on your screen? Wait, wait, wait. What? what? I'm going to say wait. something before Nico says it, and I'm not going to spoil a goddamn thing, but Nico, do not watch the end credits. Go to the last scene, the post credits. Don't watch them, because I had a Dave moment, and for the fans that are listening right now, Dave, uh, you and we're not going to go off on this whole thing on Apple spoiling it for you, but Apple fucking spoiled it for you. However, don't watch the end credits. Wait, <laughs> yeah, don't. Okay. 
because they, they they there's there's a list in the cast there. Yes. And they spoiled okay. something right there. Okay. I, I let, now okay. we're gonna do this. Let's do this live. Let's do it live. We're gonna here. Here we are live. This is. You, you want me to play the audio and everything on the yes. Red Hive podcast? Nico is watching the post-credit scene on his phone. Twin sons. All right. Yeah. Do a little narration. Jabba's palace. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Looking chunky. All right. Some uh, what do they call Gamorrean guards? Gamorian. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Is that good for <laughs> looking chunk as fuck. Damn, he's thick. <laughs> <laughs> he's thick. <laughs> Damn, boy. Bib Fortuna on the throat. Right? <laughs> Having lots of tuna, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no shortage of tuna for that bigger, guy. He needs a he bigger, needs a bigger bib. bib. He's been he eating at the same restaurant as uh, Boba Fett. Bib. Okay, okay. We got a fucking Cyber Belly coming in. Yeah. I don't know her name. Steve was saying earlier. Wrong. Why are they always Twilight dancer girls? What's the deal? Twilights are the sexy things. Mosca Fief. Mosca Fief. And then Boba. Oh, is Boba coming back to collect on his debt from, from Jabba? Boba! 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 I thought you were dead. So glad to see you. Ooh. Oh! No questions asked. No questions asked. Just get the fuck out. <laughs> what are you here for? What is what is shit? Oh! <laughs> oh shit! Did you screenshot that? Take Please, a seat, somebody. boy. Take a seat. Big boss Boba. Yeah, baby. Oh shit! Woo woo woo! Keep watching. Keep watching. The Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett. What do you make of that, Nico? That, is that a title that we did not get announced with all the rest of them? That's right. It, it is a title that has not been announced, and dis- but December 2021 is the announced return date for The Mandalorian Season yeah. 3. So it begs the question, yeah. is uh, that well, is The Mandalorian just... Season 3 going to switch to Boba Fett? Or is The Mandalorian, as we know it, over because The Mandalorian has fulfilled his quest? And the replacement show is going to be the Book of Boba Fett. So no, okay. notice also it in in to carry carry forward with what Dave's talking about. All of the episodes of the Mandalorian have been listed as chapters, and now we're moving on to the Book of Boba Fett. So is it a new book in the story of mm-hmm. the Mandalorians, or is it a new series? All right. So I I am. Uh, Facebook friends with Paul with Paul Bateman. Paul Bateman, who is the uh, was, Whoa, hang on, wait, look out, everybody. Steve just dropped a name. Be careful, you don't get hit by it on its way down. Was the curator <laughs> of, uh, of the uh, Ralph McQuarrie Museum. Mm-hmm. So he he kind of he knows stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he's been in the uh, prequels and other things. 
he says that it's a different show. He says, just to absolutely clear things up, season three of The Mandalorian and The Book of You-Know-Who mm-hmm. are two different shows. You're ah. getting both. Trust so, me. So Merry now, Christmas, you filthy animals. So now we're, we're, four, <laughs> we're four series set in this timeline. This is yeah. the Mandalorian, Book of Boba, Ahsoka, and Rangers of the New Republic. And are they all going to drop at the same? How is this going to work? Like, are we going to have competing Star Wars series airing at the same time? I say uh, yes, uh, and we fucking love it. <laughs> I, I would assume that they'll run, if, if they are two different shows, I would assume they'll run Mando roughly the same time as they did last year, started in October, November, have it run through Christmas, and then on Christmas have Book of Boba start. And then sometime over the spring, summer, you run the other two shows. They're running, you know, they, it would be dumb to have them drop all at once. They're, they're dropping right. WandaVision next month and Falcon and Winter Soldier later in, later in the year. Um, Loki's in May. So, yeah, they won't run them concurrently. Not at all. Yeah. So I, I just want to, before we wrap here, I want to go back um, to Luke Skywalker being in this episode. And I just, I... The two things that stood out for me that I didn't mention earlier. Uh, one is that, you know, there was a, there are a lot of fans that were hoping to see Luke at the height of his power mm-hmm. use those powers to kick ass in The Last Jedi. We knew Luke was coming back. We were mm-hmm. looking for that battle scene to see actually see Luke Skywalker take some people out. And we didn't get it. And I, I feel like this is a little bit, it's like feeling a little bit of a gap in the canon for me. Like we, we hadn't seen Luke completely kick ass yeah. like he does in this episode. And I feel, I feel good about what we're seeing. It's Filoni uh, and Fabro being exactly who we are, yeah, but having the power to do something about it. <laughs> and, and, and do it for the most part, right. Doing it correct. Yeah. 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 Uh, Uh, Steve, oh, you got another point on Luke. Go ahead. Go ahead. So before Nico did his thing, and I'm glad that Nico was not spoiled by us saying it. um, Yeah. My point was this. uh, Two things occurred, and one I can't talk about on the show, so I'm going to discuss with you after the show. But the one I'm going to discuss is if you watch the show and you are like me, I love watching movies, going to theaters back in the day when you could, watching the end credits. I love seeing who's behind it all. Mm -hmm. There is a massive spoiler and I said out loud while watching the show, I didn't see Bib Fort- Fortuna in there. I said the same thing, Scott. said the yeah. same thing. And I go, and hey, I'm, Matthew Wood's the same guy who played him earlier. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, shit, maybe there was a scene cut out. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and that is when I pulled a Dave. I'm like, well, shit, there's no artwork. What the hell is going on? And I, I'm i like, oh, I'm just going to let it run out. Because usually my, my Disney Plus will skip to the next episode. Nothing was going to happen. It was just going all the way to the end. I'm like. Oh shit, something's going on. And boom, that popped up. I'm like, son of a bitch. I can't believe they spoiled <laughs> that for me. Yeah. Uh, see, I watch I watch it in bed with the wife sleeping next to me um on Thursday night going into Friday morning. Because I work, you know, I, I work until midnight. So I get home and the episodes just aired. And I'll usually watch it twice back to back. And I wasn't feeling good earlier this week. Um, I was, I had the like, food poisoning. No, I did not have COVID. Um, <laughs> I had food poisoning. I was throwing up for a couple of days, but so I only watched it once and, uh, I, I finished it. The, the credits started and I went to sleep. 
Wow. Amazing. Amazing we got to hear you experience that, though, live. And that is... On the podcast here. That's pretty cool. Oh, my God. I'm glad I didn't watch that Thursday night, because the wife would have kicked my ass for screaming, because I would (laughs) have yelled in bed the exact same way, the exact same thing. Well, I I I know that we got the credits rolling here, but I texted it to Steve, and I think we need to have a serious discussion about the next finale episode we do a watch party, and all of us watch it together. Yeah. That would that would be a lot of fun. The finale episode of each season, we do an online watch together. Yeah, we still got to do credit or uh, a commentary on all the movies. Yeah, and maybe we can invite some listeners who are uh, would like to watch with us. That would be let's, fun. Let's Six do one over the holiday break if everyone's going to be around. We try to do one at least. Yeah, I'm off. Yeah, to Christmas that's... Eve. Nobody's nobody's traveling anywhere. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> um, you know the thing about this episode, guys. I I really feel like the other point I wanted to make with Luke is that you know this up until now, this has been a sort of like a wow. This is a really great show. It's really great. I really enjoy this show, and this episode for me takes that up even another notch and it's like this is now back to our star wars with luke skywalker i mean come on we don't want this show to be all about the skywalkers i think that's a point that you made to me offline dave but but this is just a connection that that i was like 15 years old again watching this thing it it it's rare to me to have something where it's like, oh, they're clearly checking a lot of boxes, but it's still an amazing episode. Usually if you're focusing on checking boxes, you're, the episode feels like they're checking boxes. This felt yeah. organic. It felt natural. It felt wonderful. It, 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 it's been a great two-year ride. It Looking all forward made, to more. It, all the choices that they made from the, narr- the narrative from beginning to end, oh. all the choices made sense and fit in that narrative. Guys, have a great week. We'll see you again, and may the Force be with us all! Nailed it. Is this where I do my post-credit rant on spoilers? No, I'm just kidding.